Nobody cares about me. Whether I live or die. Nobody seems to care because you don't seem to care about yourself. You have to care first. If you like yourself, others will like you too. There's nothing to like. There's a lot to like if you want to be something you're not. <laughs> It don't work. I know. You better find out now and save yourself a lot of grief. Everybody hates me. Nobody hates you. No. Then why do my parents always send me away? To school all year on trips every summer? And you, you threw me out of your room. You didn't throw Abigail out. You know what you need? A good old-fashioned spanking. <laughs> Maybe I do. Nobody ever cared enough about me. Even for that. Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. This is Ruined Childhoods, and we have traveled a long distance from last week's destination on our cinematic road trip, hailing all the way from Georgia for a visit with Smokey and the Bandit, now to the Aloha State. This state is the most recent to be granted statehood back in 1959, but has been a U.S. territory since 1898. It is known for its beautiful weather, sandy beaches, and the exploitation of its indigenous culture for the entertainment of tourists. It's the birthplace of Timothy Oliphant, Barack Obama, and Tia Carrera. Schwing! It also serves as locations for Lost, Jurassic Park, and the original Fantasy Island series, but not the 2020 film or 2021 TV reboot. That's right, we've made it to Hawaii. Dan, all this talk of Hawaii has me wondering, Hawaii you? <laughs> Hawaii am doing well today, John. Hawaii you? <laughs> Uh, Hawaii, I'm doing okay. Uh, I I just finished rewatching uh, Blue Hawaii in preparation for this episode, and uh, you know this episode. Speaking of the episode, exploitation of the indigenous population for the entertainment uh, tourist, exploitation of a lot of things. Um, oh, you know, well. Elvis in the first place is exploitation, but we'll get to that. I mean, we'll get, we'll get, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I, but you know we we're releasing this episode or we're recording it, I guess and releasing it. Uh just days after the release of our Smokey and the Bandit episode and uh I uh, you know there there's a little bit of a funny connection. There's actually a couple of little funny connections. First of all, allegedly Smokey and the Bandit is one of the final movies that Elvis watched before he died in August of 1977. You know, it came out in late May. The last movie he actually did see was a James Bond movie. And so, you know, that one is the one that gets all the articles written about it. But I did find somewhere where it said that he had a private screening arranged for Smokey and the Bandit. So that's kind of fun. Now, off the top of my head, I'm going to guess that the Bond movie is for your eyes only. Oh, you know what? I don't think so. I'm going to look up Elvis final movie watched and see if that comes up with any. The Spy Who Loved Me. The Spy Who Loved Me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So there's. All right. Okay. I 
Okay, so I for I forgot to mention this when we were recording our Smokey and the Bandit episode, and so today on the day that we're recording this, I quickly recorded a social media video that some people may may have seen about Jackie Gleason. Dan, I don't know if you had a chance. Uh, you have probably had a busy day of work, uh, so. In this video, I tell this story about Jackie Gleason, about how he was this really big uh, UFO. I don't know if conspiracy theorist is right, but like he was obsessed with like UFOs and aliens. Did you know about this? Uh, no, no, I did not. Okay. Jackie ja- Gleason. Was, you know, believe, yes. you know, the truth is out there. He was definitely a truth is out there kind of guy before anybody else was really. He really, especially he really when it comes to on- celebrities. Focused on the moon part of honeymooners. It, uh, to the moon, Alice. Yep. And to so, the moon to see the aliens that have come to visit us previously. Right. Yes. So it's definitely well. We read documented. that line wrong all this time. Sorry. Yeah. It, Sorry it's, to this keep is a very. This is a well documented fact. And uh, at the University of Miami, there's like the Jackie Gleason Library, and there are a bunch of books about UFOs and uh, you know alien conspiracies and things like that or theories i should say and uh in 1973 and i actually looked up the uh, the from the the richard nixon like presidential library like the the government has a database of a lot of presidential records about like their daily agendas and i saw mm-hmm. that in 1973 uh, Richard Nixon was in Florida for like the Jackie Gleason golf invitational kind of oh, like a yes. celebrity tournament type of thing. And yes. that lines up with this story that I had read about Jackie Gleason, who was friends with Richard Nixon. You know, he was a Republican and, you know, certainly he and Nixon, it, it totally tracks. Uh, we're, yeah. we're super buds. And so Richard Nixon I, at this time took Jackie Gleason to this uh, Air Force base in Florida and showed him aliens. Like, embalmed alien... Dan, your mouth is open. You are in a laughing state. John, I've never heard this before. Skip to the end. This is what I want to see. This is the movie I want. This is the play that I want. This is the musical that I want. So, 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 what I'm saying is... This we have connection, another connection with the last movie, because famously Elvis and Richard Nixon have their movie, Elvis and Nixon, Michael Shannon, Kevin Spacey to a lesser extent. A few versions of that. Right. But I'm just saying like there this is a very well covered territory. This whole idea of Elvis, uh, you know, approaching Nixon to essentially become like a DEA agent. I think like a U.S. Marshal of the DEA kind of a thing because he, because he was like the, the hippies are ruining our culture. Didn't Elvis like show up at the White House? I'm pretty sure I remember hearing the story where like Elvis was just at showed up at the White House and they were like Elvis Presley is. I think this is actually in the Michael Shannon movie. I think that's if where I'm remembering it. Anything from. I yeah. know about it is probably from that movie because Michael Shannon is the greatest, and him playing Elvis seems like such a a far stretch considering all of the other on screen Elvises we've seen. You know, including to this very day with Priscilla just coming out. 
and yeah. Michael Shannon does not does not seem like a an obvious choice. <laughs> you know, Val Kilmer, yes. I, you know, Kurt well, Russell, yes. Yeah. Yes. And then, you know, nowadays yeah. Austin Butler, sure, and you know, Jacob Alordi, sure. But Michael Shannon, hell yeah. So we do have these these very fascinating moments in Richard Nixon's tenure as president. And so Jackie Gleason, the Jackie Gleason Richard Nixon movie is the one I want to see where he's like, all right, enough of this golf bullshit. Come with me. I'm going to show you some crazy shit. Yeah. He shows him fucking embalmed, like two foot tall aliens. Anyway. Yeah, I lo- so I love the idea that like Nixon yeah. had this whole like gallery of like aliens and every- everything that, that, that he was like, come with me. I want to show you something. I, I, I mean, that was Sean Connery. That was not Richard. Yeah, Sorry. it's it's his uh, it's his homie, Jackie G. And he's like, yeah. all right, you've shown me some crazy stuff. I'm going to show you some crazy. Yo, stuff. Jackie G. Ricky Nix. What's up? Yeah. So anyway, that that brings us into our our whole Elvis about it. But let's let's talk a little bit first about Hawaii. Because we should definitely let's talk about Hawaii. Yeah. You and I have both been there. We we are in the same family. We have been there together for a family thing. Have you ever been there for any non-family stuff? Or at least not our family of origin, perhaps with your chosen family? Yes. Uh, with my uh, wife and daughter, uh, mm-hmm. we have uh, been to Hawaii um, on several occasions. And of course, since oh, moving cool. to, to the West Coast, moving to Seattle, I had never been to Hawaii before that, but mm. it's it's a you know simpler journey from sure. here. And yeah, we've been to Hawaii yeah a handful of times, mostly uh, just on the Big Island, uh, uh, Honolulu, and um, you know we've stayed down by the uh, Koalina, which is where well that's the Big where Island we is as a family. The Big Island isn't that the island of Hawaii and. Oahu is oh, I, where Honolulu is. Yeah, that's where I thought was the big island was, but maybe I'm wrong. Oahu, anyway, is the only island I've been to. Right. So it's the actual island of Hawaii, which is the the largest of them. Oahu oh. is where Honolulu is. Shows how much I know about this state. So, oh, so so you've only been to Oahu. Yeah, only been to not Oahu. to say not to say that there that's a bad thing. Nope. I've se- several times been to Hawaii. It's lovely, by the way. Yeah. I uh, re- love be- uh, being in Hawaii, really in- enjoy it there. It's it's uh, it it is pretty much w- what you uh, a lot of what, maybe not what you see in blue Hawaii, but mm-hmm. y- yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of in that island paradise, quote unquote. Yeah. It's it's definitely, you know, also like a, uh, you know, especially Honolulu, you know, fully functioning metropolitan area. Sure. And as we've all been made very well aware of, like, you know, Maui as well has a very, you know, thriving culture and, uh, you know, certainly hope that uh, the rebuilding of Maui is going okay. You know, I haven't heard any updates about that recently. Right. Yeah. No, I I think uh, that, you know, I think the healing has begun good in Maui. So, yeah, yeah, John, that's I but that's I don't necessarily 
I don't really have any particular like stories or adventures. Well, I know that when we were there together, we were pretty much just on a resort. Well, we did go to Pearl Harbor and we did like touristy things. We did visit Pearl Harbor. Yes. But I feel like when you start to get into like real life in Hawaii, that's where the interesting things happen. Do you want to know the interesting things that, you know, really stick out in my mind about Hawaii? And I, I've, you know, aside from our trip to Oahu, I've also been to Kauai. Uh, and I, I went there with our parents because they um, had an extra room in their hotel. I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird thing. I think that they were just bored and wanted me to hang out which is like, cool. But what stuck out to me about being on Hawaii, there, there's two things. First of all, groceries are so expensive because I think oh, that well, aside yeah. from like yeah. pineapple, everything is imported. You know, pineapple, so, macadamia nuts, coffee. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I don't everything pig, else. Yeah. So exactly. So I, uh, groceries, crazy expensive, but also... I and I got such a big kick out of this listening to the radio and like the rental car while, while I was there. The thing that they seemed to be fixated on the most, like the DJs, what they were talking about, was how there was no Olive Garden on Hawaii. And they were just like, the mainland thinks they're so great with their Olive Gardens. I, and I mean, like the restaurant Olive Garden, not like at, like gardens, yes. of, like art, Olive Groves or something. But they're just like, right. People over there in the mainland with their Olive Garden restaurants, conveniently eating soup, salad and breadsticks like they were on this whole thing. And there was like it was like news about how, like, I don't know, there might be rumors of uh, an Olive Garden coming to Hawaii. Like it, that was the big thing. And I yeah. became obsessed with it. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm tr- I think we've definitely had this conversation before. Oh, because it sounds familiar. To, it sounds familiar to me. I think but that I this was, not, I, I, I've I not think made that, that, that observation. Trip, I think that on our trip while this is happening, I probably like stormed into a room and be like, you guys, guess what they're talking about on the radio? It's quite possible <laughs> we could have had that conversation. I mean, like, look, there's definitely stories about that that trip, but that's our family. Those are our family. That's stories. our own family <laughs> stories. That's yes. not for the podcast. <laughs> that's not for the podcast. But no, I but felt a, a yeah. dinner scene for the ages, to say the least. I, so, I'd say it's a we we had a lot of very memorable dinners. Uh, yes, that that took place, but maybe not as memorable as some of the dinners that you see <laughs> in the movie Blue Hawaii. Oh, of course not. No, let's just say but... no fights broke out that I remember. No, 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 no. fights. No, no, fist, fights. no fist fights broke out. No fist fights. No one got arrested. No one got arrested. We didn't do any sand slicing, which is unfortunate. Nope. No sand slicing. Nobody tried to uh, pick up a a, a child, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, right. No, nobody, yeah. yeah, nobody tried to put the moves on a child, which is no. which happens in Blue Hawaii. Yeah, so, Dan, was this your first time watching Blue Hawaii? It was my first time watching Blue Hawaii, John. Was it Did yours? Did you know anything about it going into it? I didn't know shit. Okay, me either. Same. No. And man, oh man, was I 
surprised. Wow. <laughs> well, and John, so, uh, all right. And uh, so before we, we get into Blue Hawaii, I just want to preface Ooh. it by saying that this was such an interesting like, all right, so we've talked about one other Elvis movie. We've talked about Love Me Tender. Mm-hmm. And Love Me Tender was the first movie that Elvis was in. It was a movie yeah. that was not built around him. It was a movie that he was cast in. And then they they made modifications they sure to did, yeah. accommodate his his singing. But there was like, what, one song in Love Me Tender? Love Me Tender. Yeah. Yeah. Love Me Tender. In Blue Hawaii, everything is it the, the difference is amazing because there's a every five minutes there is a song. No matter right. what is happening, there a, a song happens and it reminded me uh, it, it's so uh, we'll, we'll get back into what it reminded me of because there's more there's actually more weird connections with Jackie Gleason. Oh, okay. But cool. This, this is Love this that. is not as Love not that. as interesting but random. But well, yeah, but what a what a crazy Elvis, and I'm gonna apologize in advance if I repeat any like um, Elvis anecdotes or anything okay. from the Love Me Tender episode. But it's just really, it was so fascinating. I kept thinking about the difference, uh, the differences both in just how the film is crafted to mm-hmm. Elvis's performance. Yeah. And yeah, wow, such a uh, such a huge difference. Well, I'd like to know, are there any other Elvis movies that you have seen? No. No. Okay, so, so far, this is the two for you. Uh, I have seen... I, uh, uh, I, go on. I should, all right, the only fictional... Because I've seen the, the 1968 comeback special concert. Film. Okay, that doesn't really count. I'm talking no, about, that doesn't you know, count. the... Okay, yeah. The the feature films, the ones the that narratives. Were, exactly, yeah. It's like Speedway. So, no, haven't seen. Right. So what I wanted to do was, you know, get a little bit more context. And I I had heard that King Creole was perhaps the best of the Elvis movies. And so I watched that uh actually earlier today. And uh, I I totally understand why they were just like, yes, put Elvis in movies. And this was a movie that was also a a musical. He plays a singer. So all of the songs make sense in the context of him performing in the movie. They're not like a scene stops abruptly and then singing becomes part of it. Uh, And in in Blue Hawaii, there there are a few songs that it's just like, Hey, gonna get together with the boys and pick up the guitar, or there's a party and there's gonna be a performance and there's gonna be some you know music going on and rockahula and so on and so forth, or I've got this music box and I'm gonna sing along with it kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, but in King Creole, that's where you actually see some like legit acting coming from Elvis, and you know we got a glimpse of that in Love Me Tender and. Yeah. Uh, I know that for King Creole, there were a lot of discussions at the time of just like, oh, Elvis is a legit actor. You know, uh, also in that film was like Walter Matthau. And and he went on record saying like, you know, at the time I thought he's going to become a, a big actor. And sure, he became a big movie star. But I think that they were expecting him to actually be like acting, acting. But, you know, because of Colonel Tom Parker and the the money making industry that is Elvis, it just it didn't turn out that way. 
no i it does though make me wonder what if it had i i can't imagine that elvis would have met the same fate had he had he focused more on a serious acting career and you know yeah well we've all, yeah that's not the point we're not here to talk about that i think that what really could have happened had it not been for Colonel Tom is that Elvis could have gone off in the direction of being a, an actor and like acting in movies and not just like pumping out like for a year, but like acting in maybe like a movie a year, but also having his music career, but not the two being tied together because I know that Jerry Reed, like Jerry Reed. Uh, (laughs) sure. Weird example. Listen to our smoking the bandit episode. If you don't know what we're talking about, but Very loosely like Jerry Reed. (laughs) Sure. But I know that Elvis was, you know, doing all these movies. He was contractually bound to do all of these movies and make all of these soundtracks rather than, you know, actually creating music. Not to say that he wrote any of his own songs, but like, you know, perhaps having any say in the material that he was recording. And, you know, he was watching acts like the Beatles and Bob Dylan come about and, you know, change music. And he was just kind of stuck in this track where he had to be doing these movies where he had to be the Elvis that's in all of these movies without actually kind of, I don't know, adapting his style with the times. And then, you know, after, you know, once the comeback special happens and, you know, we do start to hear, you know, new music and there, there's some good stuff. And and I think that also probably around the time of like Viva Las Vegas, you're going to be hearing a little bit more of that, but that's kind of the, it, it kind of went in one area and then like pivoted over to another one instead of having like a natural arc. And it, it is a shame, but I, I will say like, I had a pretty good time watching Blue Hawaii. So, you know. It's- it's not not entertaining. I mean, Angela Lansbury yeah. doing that Southern accent, like Blanche, okay. De- Blanche Devereaux prototype. She, I was thinking of Blanche also the entire time. Yeah, I wonder oh, yeah. if uh, if the uh, the Hollingsworths and the I forget what her uh, maiden name was. She mentioned it at some yeah. point. Uh, do you, why don't I do a little synopsis and then we'll talk yeah. a little bit more yeah. about that? Yeah. Okay. Son of Great Southern Hawaiian Fruit Company's VP, Chad Gates, returns from two years of army service to his home on Oahu, but is more eager to hang out with his girlfriend, Miley, and a group of Hawaiian native buddies to go surfing, sorry, surfboard riding, as they say, rather than go home to his parents who expect him to take over management of the fruit company. Eager to form his own path, Chad encourages his travel agent girlfriend's boss to take him on a take him on as a Hawaiian tour sorry as a Hawaii tour guide. I want to make sure not to make the you know insinuation that he is Hawaiian. He has moved to Hawaii from Georgia when yes. he was young, but as a Hawaii yeah. tour guide. Delighted by Chad's knowledge and passion for the Hawaiian Islands, the travel agency's owner agrees to bring Chad on his first assignment with Ms. Prentice, a school teacher, and four of her students. Unfortunately for Chad, one of Ms. Prentice's students, Ellie, is quite surly and refuses to have any fun, hoping to have some more excitement. This results in a rowdy evening that lands Chad in jail and fired from his job, just because he was protecting Ellie from the advances of a local drunk. Chad and Miley decide to start their own travel company, reuniting with Ms. Prentice and the girls. But when Ellie is rejected by Chad after an offer for a night of scandalous romance, followed by the belief that he's hooking up with Ms. Prentice, 
She attempts self-harm, which results in a life-changing spanking from Chad. Also witness to a suspect moment between Chad and Ms. Prentice, Miley's trust and confidence is shaken, but all's well that ends well. Chad and Miley get married on Kauai, Ms. Prentice finds love with Chad's uh, dad's pal and boss, Jack, and Chad's father ends up accepting his decision to carve his own path, thanks to a deal Chad came up with that would benefit both the fruit company and his own desires for independence. So, obviously, Chad is played by Elvis. Duh. Uh, Joan Blackman is Miley, his, uh, his girlfriend who is half Hawaiian, half French. I was so tickled by the fact that like her dad is like a legit like French guy. It's just like yeah. Duval oh, is. Yeah. We're, was there an influx of, you know, French moving to Hawaii? How does, how does that play into things? I mean, there, there does seem to be a little bit of the kind of like, of that connection to Southeast Asia and French colonization, because mm-hmm. there's, because there's also, I believe some French spoken by, uh, perhaps the oh, most Ellie. problematic character. Oh, well, I oh. was get well, Ellie, Ellie pretends was, to be a French Ping. person. Oh, doesn't the, well, well, first, okay. First of all, cause yes. Ping pong. Yes. His name is Ping Pong. Yes. Yes. We'll, okay. we'll start there. The, the, there, yeah. was, there was French involved with Ping Pong's character? I got the impression that his character m- maybe was perhaps meant to be uh, like Vietnamese. Oh, okay. All right. I, I believe there was some... I mean, it was just like... I, I don't think that there was like an accurate representation there wasn't like an attempt to accurately represent like a specific ethnicity from southeast asia i'm pretty sure the intention was just asian asian right and i mean this is also the same year as breakfast at tiffany's so uh, asian representation in american cinema has uh, a lot of work to do we'll just put it that i mean at least at at least it seemed that the actor was perhaps of Asian descent as opposed bo- to breakfast at Tiffany's well, where it was Mickey the, Rooney. The actor, uh, Tiki Hanale, uh, which to me sounds like, uh, you know, Polynesian. Pacific Islander yeah. Polynesian name. Uh, let me quickly look him up and see if I can find out any information, but, uh, he's definitely one of the more disappointing, Characters. Oh, I guess he also goes by Ralph Hanalei, uh, and was all, and was also on I think Hawaiian Eye, Blue Hawaii Adventures in Paradise. Um, okay. Local. Yeah, I don't see any information about where he is necessarily from or his ancestors, but uh, Hanalei, I believe, is a you know Polynesian name. Yeah. Uh, so we also have a few interesting characters who do seem to be of Hawaiian descent, which are his group of like four friends. And uh, the only one whose name I can really remember is Ito, because there's well, this, the Ito Eats song, which, yeah. first of all, if Ito is considered fat, then I am a big, giant ogre of a person. Aren't we all? Yeah. 
No, I don't think he's considered fat. I just think he likes to eat, and we know. Well, but that... there's the joke at the beginning yeah. when he sees him, where he's like, it "Looks like you just went down to your belly, or something like that." And it's oh, like that yeah. dude has zero belly. He just looks strong. Yeah, no, he, he yeah, he doesn't have a six pack. That's about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But that that song, that song is like the quintessential. Like we need to get a song into every scene. Well, that scene had two songs back to back. There was Ito eats and then Slice and Sand, which was, was really fun. Yeah. No, and no, I've, but Ito Ito yeah. eats Ito eats was the one that reminded me of Eddie Murphy's bit in in Delirious, which uh-huh. a stand-up act that has not entirely aged well, but parts of it have. And his Elvis bit, and mind you, when I was in high school, I had the entire thing memorized. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And the the bit that he does about Elvis doing movies. Yeah. Where uh we're, we're going and, to win and this it, race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Elvis, you want some lemonade? Lemonade. Yeah. That cool, refreshing drink. Yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, but that, assault, it was just like when they say, yeah, I think the thing is, fuck it, we'll let him sing all his dialogue. Um, of course, the mistake in that, in that bit being that, uh, the presumption that Elvis couldn't act. Right. I, I will say, I thought that the song Slice and Sand and like the whole dance that went with it was really fun. And you get a lot of like really great, like Elvisy moments and you can see him kind of just like losing himself in it. A little bit more than something like uh, I Can't Help Falling in Love, where right. he's just standing there and, you know, singing to Miley's grandmother while holding Miley's hand. You know, right. a moment like that where it's like, you know, that's obviously the most famous of the songs that came out of the movie. The scene itself is very much just like, are they just going to stand there? And is he just going to be singing this to this lady who's holding a music box? Okay. All right. Yep. 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 Yeah. No, that's the song. That was the song I used to have to sing when I would do the the Elvis uh the the Elvis bits, the birthday parties. That's right. You were an Elvis performer. I must have talked about this. I believe you did, but that was a long time ago. Avoided it. Yes. So context. Back in two thousand two. So on our last episode, we talked about the April 2002 trip that John and I took up to Boston. Sure. First time I watched Donnie Darko. (laughs) So soon after that, as I had said on our last episode, I had just finished a theater tour and was, I guess, between jobs and trying to figure out the next move. So my friend, uh, my friend Dave, Dave DeVito, friend of the show has uh had been doing birthday parties dave's a magician and mm-hmm. had been doing these you know birthday parties and he uh offered to help me get booked through the same person that was that was booking him got Joan. it joan and joan joan blackman I, joan the oh joan blackman star of blue hawaii i never asked <laughs> age-wise that could work uh so uh joan would uh primarily like rented me out as a birthday party clown and i Mm -hmm. was terrible at it and well you were just you were just going with the family business 
Yes, I was saying it's how our mother was a birthday party clown. But much like Chad Gates, I had to pave my own path. Sure. So I but also and I think she had said there was I forget how it came up, but I was like, I I could do a decent Elvis. And I ended up doing these Elvis impersonations and I would get paid to go and like for 15 minutes I'd show up at the party. They'd uh-huh. play the the 2001 music and I'd come in doing the whole. And this is why I, I saw the 68 comeback special, because that sure. was what I studied. Yeah. And I, I I think I also watched Elvis live live from Hawaii. This was and I watched these. It was so interesting. I got these. I'm almost positive as Netflix DVDs. Oh, OK. Yes. Because you couldn't necessarily just go to Blockbuster and find like obscure Elvis concert films. Yeah. So no, that tracks not, not time wise. Yeah, time wise, absolutely. So you couldn't go yeah. on YouTube, that's for sure. I did nope, no YouTube to go on. I I did that. I practiced his like his karate oh moves, did did the whole bit. And I would come in and I would do um Let's see. I'm I'm pretty sure I would end with the wonder of you. Okay. So do the wonder of you. Um, if I was feeling, if my voice was in a good place, I would do burning love. Okay. I think I did. Bur- I might. I, I either was it burning love or suspicious minds. It was burning. Mm-hmm. I think it was burning love. Uh, so do burning love and was it hound dog or all shook up? I did. I I did one of those. Re- I think it was all shook up. I did. I used to do that really well Mm -hmm. yeah okay i did like really like the way that he pronounced his l's because elvis Uh had a very specific he like would linger a little bit on the l Mm -hmm. so love me tender love me always held out that l so um yeah and i would do can't help falling in love and that's the one where i would do where i'd take the scarf off and put it around whoever's having their 50th birthday You'd make an old lady hold a music box. Yeah. I would just stand there. No, I did a little bit more. I, yeah, no, I earned my money. So, so let me ask you, Dan, clearly you were familiar with, you know, all that was Elvis. You had to become Elvis for these events. Did you like Elvis? Uh, Did I, did I like Elvis's music? Yeah, to to an extent, uh-huh. yes. Like, yes, I could put together. I, I could probably put together if I was going to put together like a playlist of Elvis songs that I like to listen to. It would probably come to maybe eight songs. Okay, like I'm, I yeah, I would say a solid eight songs by Elvis that I enjoy listening to. And really, there's only three that I really like. But I was into like when when they put out the Elvis number ones, which yeah. that that was, I think, a year later. Like I had a copy of that and I don't know that I had any like I probably I might have had like an Elvis greatest hits cassette at mm-hmm. some point. I wasn't really into Elvis. I did. I and I visited Graceland when I was on that oh. tour, but we were in Memphis for the weekend cool. so we went to graceland i have to say it's like one of the better like tourist attractions or one of the like more interesting tourist attractions i've i've been to you know well i've never been to graceland i i would love to go 
I I would not consider myself an Elvis fan. I feel bad for Elvis. Um, I also recognize that there's so much about him that is just not okay. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, obviously there's the whole, you know, marrying like a 14 year old. Well, I guess they got together when she was like 14. Maybe they knew each other when she was even younger, but that whole thing is icky. Plus the fact that he cheated on her with like every woman he was in a movie with. And then uh, just like, I don't know how much of it is a, a direct effect of the control that other people had over him and just like finding the only ways that he could to feel like his own person. I just don't know. I don't know necessarily enough about the psychology of Elvis to, to fully understand these things, but there's just always been something about him. That's just like, I feel like he's just a slime ball and the hysteria around him has just fed on itself and I know that in Graceland, like, I think it was, was it maybe his bedroom where there's like no windows? It's just all TV screens. And he's just like, why do I need a window? I, everything I want to see is right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just so sad. It's such a sad thought that, you know, that's the only way that he could really find enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. And like, look, I mean, to speak to the like less noble attributes of Elvis Presley, at the end of the day, he always had a choice. So there's that. And I don't think he always had a choice. Well, I would say like, look, there's always I'm not saying it would would have been easy to make that choice, Mm -hmm. but I, I would say especially as as a white man as a successful white man he yeah i mean like we and we know and for whatever extent we we know the the truth of what happened we all anyone who's who's heard any of the stories knows that yes he was being controlled and treated like a like a thoroughbred yeah and manipulated and the drugs and yes there's a lot of sympathy there and like you said we don't know enough about elvis's psychology to really understand why and i'm sure had circumstances built him up differently he would have made different choices but that said i i don't necessarily i he's still culpable for things despite the fact that others took advantage of him now that that being said elvis i was a like i can't think of a better word right now than primo but primo entertainer and he Mm -hmm. captivated audiences from the time he went on the the ed sullivan show and was doing hound dog yeah to uh, the bitter end even to the bitter end, he still captivated people and he captivated people's imaginations and the opulence of, of Graceland. It's like, it's not like disgusting. It's not, it's not like, like Donald Trump gold toilet Mm -hmm. disgusting. It's eccentric. Right. And it is in, you know, speaking of his psychology, it's, it's kind of revealing to go through that house 
and look at what he did, what he was able to do when like this is a man who was like, wow, I I have enough money and I have enough. I can pay people where I can just walk into this room and say, I want this whole room to look like a jungle. Right. And it'll happen. And when and also like that, that comes back to the idea of like of the power and enabling and not not being necessarily prepared to have that. He wasn't being advised well. There was no adult in the room. No. No. Ever. No. Yeah. So, well, or I should say the adults in the room were shitty adults who... There were no proper adults in the room. No. Well, there, there were people no... who were taking advantage of him, or there was just him who was in the state of arrested development and living out all of his, you know, well, cl- fantasies. I mean... Clearly, he also takes part of his house and turns it into a replica of the house he grew up in Which for his mother. Wild. wild. It's it is, and when you see it, it is it's fucking bonkers. Well, speaking of his mother, let's talk about Angela Lansbury. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, Angela. We okay, listeners of the podcast, especially uh, over the course of the past year or so, certainly know. That I love me some Angela Lansbury. And uh, Dan, did you know that she was in an, an episode or two of Murder, She Wrote, which I've been watching? Just of an course. episode or two. Oh, that makes sense. And even when, she's, sense. even when she's uh, not, even when the character of J.B. Fletcher is not in an episode, she's still in it because maybe she's playing her cousin who lives in London. It's amazing. Wow. I've seen Murder, She Wrote, but not to the extent that you have. So that's just mind blowing. Dan, the other night I went to a community theater performance called Musical, She Wrote. Oh, I have the the thing right here. Look, I can show you. Oh, Musical, She Wrote. It is a wow. It is a musical parody of like an it's like its own little episode of Murder, She Wrote. It's very meta and like it's about a community theater performance. And, you know, it's. It's exactly what you think it would be. I'll just okay. put it that way. <laughs> that, that's but, great. But I was I'm just glad it exists. I I saw that it was happening, and I just I saw on Thursday that this was happening in town, and I and for the Friday performance, it was only this past weekend, and I uh, I stumbled upon it. So anyway, Angela Lansbury plays Elvis's mom, Sarah Lee. And uh, yes, she is very insensitive to ping pong and uh, she uh, all she wants is for Chad to, you know, go in the family business and to give up all of his childish ways. Stop hanging out with those, as she calls them, beach boys and, you know, stop seeing Miley, who, uh, you know, as a half native Hawaiian. Well, I mean, she is native hawaiian she as and she is born there but her ancestors are native hawaiian and but to sarah lee that is you know beneath the gates family and uh you know he shouldn't be seeing her he should be you know living it up and kind of in the upper crust of society in hawaii yes and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe sarah lee is a proud daughter of the confederacy she is well no Oh, no, 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 right. She is the proud granddaughter of a union 
soldier. Well, not but, proud. Well, no, no, not proud. <laughs> she is the granddaughter of a Union soldier who, of whom she is admirable about the courage that that, yes. that person had. But it is just a damn shame that he was he, a, 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 Yankee. a Yankee. Yeah. And yes. that's kind of a moment where everyone's just like, Bruh. but it sets her up. It establishes the fact that we know that like, well, if there's a bad guy in this, if there's a villain, it's it's her. She is the one that's trying to get in his way. She is the bad guy. So when she Which, when she does, you know, weird things or says racist things, it's kind of like a well, at least it's the villain and not you know Chad, our hero, right? Who right. is friends to the locals and you know uh, and appreciates the island's culture and geography and you know just shows a lot of appreciation for the you know the the land and the people yeah yeah um and what's funny is so this this movie let's see blue hawaii comes out in is it 61 or 62 61 61 so uh andrew lansbury plays another devious mother just a year later in the manchurian candidate oh yeah it, uh, she's fantastic in that oh she is but it's so funny to think to see that she goes from like that there's actually some similarity between these roles and the, that's true the, that's the true movies. although could you imagine though john speaking of like elvis being a serious actor i could have seen elvis in the 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 lawrence harvey role in uh yeah sure i could you imagine that elvis and frank sinatra yeah Ooh, I wonder, I don't know if Frank would like that. I don't, were they friends at all? I could see Frank Sinatra not approving of him. I could see them being frenemies. Frenemies, yes. Frenemies, yes. I, and I'm sure that there's a lot out there about their relationship. I mean, look, but there could have been money. Elvis Presley and Frank Sinatra on screen together. I, I don't know if the Manchurian candidate would have been the right place for that, but... <laughs> Like just think, had uh, Elvis gone a different path, he could have oh, been they, in the Manchurian. They did yeah. some, they did some duets together. It looks like they did "Love Me Tender," "Witchcraft," "Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better." <laughs> yeah, so it was when Elvis. So he was like twenty five. So I guess right before Blue Hawaii, they did a, they did a duet. Yeah, nineteen sixty. So oh, they were friends. Okay, cool. I mean, there must have been similar mafia connections. Speaking of the mafia, do you want to hear something kind of crazy? Yes. Okay. So the character Ellie, uh-huh. the you know the 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 surly teen, the one who's uh, oh, so yeah. horny she needs it to be spanked out of her. Oh, so geez. so she is uh, she is played by Jenny Maxwell, and yes. Jenny Maxwell died at the age of thirty nine, uh-huh. and Jenny yes and I. Uh, she was killed in uh, what was believed to be an attempted robbery. And uh, she was killed as well as her husband at the time, although they were just separated. They were like about to be divorced. And so her husband, whose name escapes me right now, he was, I believe, a lawyer, but had like mafia ties and it is believed that he hired them to kill her, but make it look like 
an attempted robbery. And the idea was also that they would like shoot him, but only to wound to make it look like he was going to be a victim. But instead what happened was, you know, she died and uh, he then died from the gunshot wound like later, but it was long enough. It was enough time that went by after he was shot that all of her like money that she had from, you know, her work as an actress, instead of uh, going to her son as an, as his inheritance, uh, her will would have had it go to him had she been, you know, divorced. But because I uh, or or it's like I uh, the order would have been like her husband and then her son. But because right. her husband died just enough time later, the inheritance went to him instead of the son. And so then he got her money, which when he died, the like. I don't know, maybe day or so later. I don't know exactly what the timeline was. You know, the inheritance all went to his children and, you know, they had children from different marriages. So instead of it going to her son, so it is believed this is not, you know, proven. I, I believe there's been some investigation about this, but I, I think it was like, you know, the LAPD's theory that, it was meant to look like a botched robbery, but like nothing was taken. That's the thing is like they, mm. uh, if, if stuff was taken, they'd be like, it was a robbery and they were, you know, shot and killed. But because like nothing was taken and his mafia connections, they think that he hired them or had them like put a hit out on her and tried to like, you know, wound him. But anyway, so isn't that yeah. wild? Yeah. Yeah. Geez. Jenny Maxwell. So that's Ellie. Wow. So pour one out for Jenny Maxwell. Oh, for real. Yeah. <laughs> sad. Sad. Very she sad. Did, she did not deserve that, but she definitely deserved that spanking she got from Elvis. And wow, let's talk about some of the like entendre mm-hmm. in this in this movie. There are some like there are some lines like what is uh what does he say to Miley at one point on you wet is my favorite color? Oh, yeah. Hello. Uh so Do okay. you think you can satisfy a school teacher and four teenage girls? Right. Uh well, I there think I can cer- do that. There were certain things where I believe that like the 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 way that vocabulary has developed over the course of time maybe has uh made it a little bit more sexualized than perhaps they were intending i mean satisfy a teacher and her four teenage students i that one i think like it it could have been implied in like 1961 that that just means you know the the base level of horny activity you don't think so no, I don't think so. I think by 1961, satisfied meant satisfied, meant sassified. And to quote Clarence Carter. And also to, right, sassified. Forgot about that guy. But uh, so just to give context about on you, you know, wet is, what, what was it again? On you, wet is my favorite color. Wet is my favorite color. So she, uh, uh, they're at the beach and she is wearing this dress that she, 
got specifically to like go and pick him up from the airport in and and then of course they get wet from the ocean and she says like oh but you know now i'm all wet and i got this dress special and that's when he says that and it's like and it's just like oh is is it my mind that's perverting it more than it's meant to be nope <laughs> nope i i don't think there's anything in that that wasn't being said at that time mhm i don't think there's any modern slang yeah i mean there's certainly other yeah. things where it's like i a little bit more overt and and i say that just in the way that like their demeanor is where you can Mm -hmm. tell that that's what they're intending you know uh, right around that same time when they're rolling around in the sand and that like little boy comes and you know there's like oh no you can't play the game we're playing and that kind of thing and then the kid comes back with like a little girl or whatever that's the same age as the kid by the way you know oh yeah yeah no Um, No. it's like now can i play and uh, you know that is like a little bit more like yeah on the nose right well yeah. that yeah that's that's intentional some of the other ones are yeah they're a little bit more subtle but i do think there's that intention i'm just i'm, I'm imagining i'm trying to think about the people who are involved in making this type of movie and like yeah you know what we know about about hollywood yeah <laughs> i just yeah i wouldn't put it past them yeah so uh do want to definitely shout out Joan Blackman who plays Miley. I thought that she was as good as you one could expect for, you know, somebody like that. It, she sounds like a pretty, you know, the character was strong. She had every yeah. reason to be, you know, suspicious or to lack confidence at different times and everything about her character felt very justified to me. Um I don't believe that Joan Blackman does have any uh, Pacific Island ancestry, uh, maybe French, but I don't know. I, I don't think that that's been documented anywhere, but I, it seems to me like, uh, it's a little bit of appropriation there, but you know, but for the time, yeah, it's that, like, at that... least, at least they didn't try to pull her off as like a hundred percent native Hawaiian. Like they did have the Emma Stone thing, right? I I have never seen Aloha, so I can't speak to her character in that as being. Is that character supposed to be a hundred percent Native Hawaiian? I I think so. Like full on ancestry. Yeah, hmm. yeah I'm pretty sure. Good. I don't know. I've never seen it, but yeah, there's not. You know, Wikipedia doesn't have much on Joan Blackman. Yeah, so not much to know. But like, yeah, she does. She's got good chemistry with elvis totally she's great Uh, i thought that she's fantastic uh i thought that uh nancy walters was great as miss prentice Mm -hmm. she was totally good i enjoyed the character of jack played by john archer uh you know he's oh yeah the the father's like boss who's in town visiting but also like they're super good friends you know they kind of started this company i think together or like jack started go back and brought him on yeah and i i i thought that he was uh just a totally pleasant character he was funny because he every two seconds he'd be saying aloha at the beginning he was just like so enchanted by being in hawaii and uh yeah he's he's cute 
he's in the most consistently good mood. His yes. character is the most consistently pleasant. Absolutely. And I did like how his uh, Chad's dad, Fred, played by Roland Winters, you know, he never seemed like he disapproved of Chad's desires to, no. you know, to do carve his own path the way that Sarah Lee, you know, felt, you know, and a lot of times he even like he would even say to Sarah Lee, like, you know, you got to cool it, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I think that he used a little bit harsher language, but uh, we'll just say cool it. But it was really nice to see the way that, you know, the two of them interacted with one another and. I don't know. I I bought him as being a supportive father, but Absolutely. in a position of power where it's like, well, why wouldn't you take the easy way out? And then it's kind of like, okay, I understand now. I totally get it. And when uh, Chad comes to him at the end, he comes to his dad and Jack and says, all right, here's my idea of how we're going to do this. Here's what I'm going to do on my own. And here's how it's going to benefit the company. And it was kind mm-hmm. of just like a perfect situation and they were just like fully on board right from the jump no it's a good it's a good plan yeah so coming coming back to the emma stone thing um according Mm. to the internet emma stone's character in aloha was a quarter hawaiian and a quarter chinese interesting emma stone to the best of my knowledge is none of none of those yeah So. so i and just also to kind of come back around uh, on on one other thing, it was really jarring to see in the opening credits that the technical advisor was Colonel Tom Parker, and just to see his name on there like made me so angry. Mm. I was like, technical advisor, like that's just you know how it was worked out of the contract for him to make his you know, yeah, make his money off of it because yep. I'm sure he did nothing for the, no technical advising. Nope, not no. at all. That was yeah. just his title. Yep, nope. Colonel Tom Parker, don't like him. <laughs> you're going. You're going on the record. I'm, hot take. Hot take. <laughs> Super hot guy. take. Not a good guy. Not a good. Not a good guy. Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of Colonel Tom Parker. So, Dan, Blue Hawaii, 1961, 2023. What are we gonna do? <laughs> You know, John, it's really hard to to think about a movie like this and kind of put it in, think about what you would do with it today and think about what hasn't already been, been done mm-hmm. with it. I feel like the best path forward is not necessarily like a remake, but sometimes, like, I want to see a just bizarre surreal like think the tone of barb and star go to vista del no. mar like and a a kind of compilation of which all... is a musical right yes yes so i mean give me that same creative team yeah and give me like a a musical that's absurd and it kind of, I know, I, I think a lot about top, when when my mind starts going this direction, I start thinking about top secret. Absolutely. And Nick Reavers and yeah. skeet shooting. Um, so I, I, you know, you, you can't do that. You can't imitate that. But 
you could do something that is really bizarre that features characters who just randomly uh, break into song and it involving all of these strange uh, plots. Mm-hmm. So I feel like something like that would probably be fun. The other direction I was thinking was just like, all right, well, who do we have that has that that Elvis kind of crossover quality? Taylor Swift, which I don't that experiment seems to have failed. The whole let's put Taylor Swift in movies yeah. thing. Yeah. So all right, we've had, I think we first started with her in one of those like Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, one of those it, movies. It, it was it was Valentine's Valentine's Day. Day. Yes. Uh, she, more recently, she was in the movie Amsterdam, the David O. Russell movie, and more. Oh of right, a, yes, a, an actual character, uh, which she felt like it's Taylor Swift. You know, it's like you you can't look past the fact that it's Taylor Swift, um, right. Yeah, and she well, she was in Cats, right? Yes, but it but it feels like I'm thinking about like who are you gonna model? Who are you gonna build a movie around? Yeah, who do you have that's a a, a musical performer that you could build a movie around like an Elvis movie? So Taylor Swift, Bad Bunny, Bad Bunny. Oh yeah, Bad Bunny. You don't know Bad Bunny? No. Okay, so uh, Bad Bunny is oh, I was gonna say Puerto Rican. Uh, he's a like rap hip hop artist who has also dabbled in acting. He is in the new movie uh, on is it Netflix or Prime? Hold on, I'm looking that... at Bad Bunny right now. Uh, oh, he was born the the day after me, but also eleven years later. Um, See music career. I don't see anything about film on his. Oh, there we go. Filmography was just in Bullet Train. Yes, Cassandro. That's the one he was in with Gael Garcia Bernal. Oh, he was in F Nine. Okay, yeah, that okay. makes sense. <laughs> and he is he he is also appeared. Oh, at... do you know him because of wrestling? Because it looks like he's done a lot of stuff with WWE. Well, I mean, I knew who he was as an artist. I knew more about him when he got involved with WWE. Okay. And then I saw that he was doing film. He's got charisma. Mm-hmm. Riz, as the kids say. He does. Oh, he has he has in droves. So he could I think he's somebody who could potentially carry a film where he plays this like an Elvis type character. Mm-hmm that will has to solve a problem and breaks into song okay a lot but yeah so take your pick in in music i'm sure there are other artists but yeah but with elvis it was like there was that that huge like megastar power going in yeah so i think if you're really going to consider it like a a continuation or a tribute or something like continuing that genre, it would have to be a Taylor Swift or a Bad Bunny who, and I, you know, maybe not as many people are, are familiar with him, but he, he still has enough. I think he's got enough clout publicly that, well, he could land there. I, I do want to acknowledge for our listeners that 
Dan is a high school teacher and probably is hearing more about contemporary music than perhaps I am. Uh, I have my little bits and pieces here and there, but I feel like you're probably more, uh, you overhear probably more about what's popular. I hear what the kids say. Mm-hmm. I hear I got a recommendation that someone recommended. Uh, well, the, and this artist is not can't be part of this conversation. They passed away. Mm. But Speaker Knockers with a Z. Oh, I'm not familiar with them. Neither was I until they were recommended to me. But uh, and then there's another there's another band that uh, students recommended to me that that I listened to. I thought was pretty good called Inhaler. Oh, oh, I have heard Inhaler. You, you may have heard them. Wait, is Inhaler? Isn't that like Bono's son's band? Am I am I mixing that up with something else? Inhaler. I don't know. Band. I know I had a bunch of students who drove down to Portland to see him last year. Really? To see them. They're from Dublin, so that's checking oh, out okay, so far. Well, okay, there we go. Band members Elijah Hewson. There yeah, that's that's Bono's. Yeah. So See, I I I have heard them only in the context of, hey, guess whose son the singer is. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. I didn't. I I don't think the kids know that because that was not how it was introduced oh, to me. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and 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 I would yeah. say if you were going to try to introduce an older person to them, that would be the entry point. Sure. So, yeah. Yes. Had no idea until now, but yeah, Elijah Hughes. The the uh, only I'd say the only like contemporary uh, music act. God, I sound so in my forties right now. The only contemporary music act that I uh, really listen to. Well, okay, I definitely listen to Olivia Rodrigo. I like the new album. I think she's great. Also, okay. love Boy Genius. And I'm so proud of oh, them yeah. for getting six Emmy, uh, Emmy, six Grammy nominations. Phoebe Bridgers getting one additional one uh, for work with uh, SZA, maybe. Anyway, love Perhaps. boy genius. Yes, yeah, yes. So, uh, you know, as you were talking talking about that, it made me think of. I feel like the last time that I saw, or at least, and and I could be corrected on this, but the last time that I saw something like that where it was specifically musicians where there was a movie built around the fact that they were performers was like from Justin to Kelly in like 2002. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, this is, they are the new Frankie and Annette or whatever you want to say. That was totally, that was, that was totally what they were going for with that. And I feel like they kind of dropped the ball. Like they could have done that with Britney Spears, but they went straight up drama with Crossroads. And I mean, that's a whole lot that, that there's a whole other crossover there with with the whole Tom Parker and and right. Elvis and and uh, the whole Britney Spears uh, situation, but it, wait, yeah, Tom Parker, Sean Parker, Sean Parker was played by Justin Timberlake, Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. Dan, it's a conspiracy. Call Jackie Gleason. <laughs> Why I order. <laughs> Nixon told him all of this was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> he had yeah, it, so, he had it all on there. By the way, Dan, uh do you know what the tagline for the Elvis and Nixon movie was? No. On December 21st, 1970, two of America's greatest recording artists met for the first time. How good is that? 
<laughs> that took me a second. Yeah. But that's good. That's good. That's good. That's really that's good. good. By the way, earlier I stated that there was another connection with Snoke with Smokey and the Bandit, but a much oh. looser one. Yeah, yeah. And it's only that also in Eddie Murphy Delirious, he does uh a Jackie Gleason impersonation. Oh, does he? I, I won't remember that part. Well, it's not it, it that part hasn't aged as well. Is but it a honeymooners Jackie Gleason? Yeah, it's a honeymooners okay. Jackie Gleason. Oh, with yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the impression's Norton. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Come over here, pal. I, I've been I, watching. I, I remember. I remember. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you don't know it, look it up. But you've been warned. You might. Not I mean, like I don't think here. that 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 one is that segment is probably not as deeply offensive as like the preface to that segment, right? Which is deeply offensive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, Dan. What, what, all right. Speaking of deeply offensive. What, speaking what, of deeply offensive. Is it just going to be spanking? Is that that that's what the movie's going to be called? No, 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 spanking. No, 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 no. Blue Hawaii 2, The Rise of Ping Pong. Okay. <laughs> While everyone was busy getting caught up in Chad's misadventures, Ping Pong has been quietly creating new paperwork that would transfer ownership of the Great Southern Hawaiian Fruit Company to himself effectively screwing over the entire Gates family, putting them in financial ruin. So here's how I envision this happening. We have a a different actor playing ping pong. Uh, certainly there's somebody that could pass this off. I do Who it is, I don't know. But we have that. And then the events of Blue Hawaii... Or like different moments, the moments that ping pong is there for are are happening, but like blurry in the background. So we mm-hmm. don't have to like have a perfectly accurate Elvis or Angela Lansbury, like, you know, replica, but they're off doing their thing in the background, having the party or whatever. You know, there's a moment where they're doing Rocka Hula and like, I think Miley throws a maraca to ping pong and he just kind of like goes off camera you know, we see him come off camera shaking the maraca. Everything is blurry in the background. And then he goes off and he's like going through Fred's paperwork and filing cabinets and like, oh, it, it's brilliant, Dan. You look uncertain, but I swear, Blue Hawaii I, to the rise of ping pong. I guess. Justice I for know. ping pong. I, I guess I'm, I, I'm cringing a little bit because of the stereotype it plays into. This is somebody who is being taken advantage of by colonizers. I I know, I know, I know. I I I get it. It just kind of reinforces that whole stereotype that was common especially like well during World War II but after World War II where people were very suspicious of Asian Americans and felt that especially Japanese Americans were constantly spy were spying on them. Okay, well, first of all, we can only assume that Ping Pong is a, a native of Hawaii. We are not given any specific We're not giving yeah. any specific information, but I'm just going to say, like, there are ways to do it appropriately. And uh, I'm not going to give Hollywood all the information, I'm just giving you this seed and we're planting it. You got to let them, you got to let them do, do the work. All I'm saying is that we need to take these extremely racist stereotype characters from the early sixties and also maybe going into the eighties and maybe Emma Stone and uh, 
Maybe we yeah, <laughs> and and we we rewrite history a little bit. Well, I guess in taking these, especially a character that's a supporting character, and empowering them and using sure yeah, yeah. giving them Com- a, a few more dimensions. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 I'm just I'm busting your chops a little. Bit. Okay. <laughs> Stereotype I, thing. I I hear what you're saying, but also I know that's I I yeah no 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 I know the intention is that. You know, that that ping pong is, you know, has plans and ambitions. And... Well, maybe we also learn that his real name is not ping pong. And it's just like it's maybe something that is reminiscent. Maybe it has like a P and a P and a G in it. But that's just what they call him because that's what Sarah Lee can pronounce. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Dan. I feel like, you know, covering Blue Hawaii and and another film in the the Elvis Presley uh, oeuvre, uh, you know, we're ready for you know, we're ready to come back to planet Earth, especially after like Smokey and the Bandit. You know, we're we're pa- we got to get past the wacky. So what are we going to do in our next episode? Ah, uh, yeah. So for our next episode, we're going to Idaho and uh, very appropriately, as it is, uh, you know, Indigenous Peoples Month, uh, we are going to be talking about 1998's Smoke Signals. That's right. Uh, written by Sherman Alexie, directed by Chris Ayer and starring in, in his first starring role, if I'm correct, Adam Beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I've never seen it. I'm really looking forward to this as a teacher. I've I've taught Sherman Alexie's work, and oh, of course, cool. there's there are, and of course we've got some. You know, we we definitely have some issues when it comes to Sherman Alexie and some some things to to address about him. Well, I don't but know. I don't know much about him at all. So you I'm can gonna. Educate. Oh, I'm not gonna say anything about that, but. We're gonna come back to it, and yeah, look at uh, Smoke Signals, which was probably not the first movie, but like the first, I guess, mainstream movie. I mean, this was a Miramax 1998, right. uh, fully like written, uh, directed by and starring um, Indigenous people, mm-hmm. Indigenous yeah. Americans. Yeah. So really looking forward to to looking at um to looking at that and of course it's based loosely on on some uh, Sherman Alexie's writing which is also loosely autobiographical uh Sherman Alexie grew up on the uh I want to say the Nez Perce um I I don't know if I'm pronouncing that mm-hmm. right um Nez Perce uh tribe in um southeast Washington yeah so, well I also want to acknowledge for the for this series that we're doing where we cover each a movie for each US state uh and we'll also get into Puerto Rico Puerto Rico and DC but uh in the episode descriptions there is a link that you can go to if you want to see which native tribes and nations in, inhabited where each state that we're talking about yeah yeah Who's, whose land was, was Smokey driving across there? Yeah, this is all stolen land. Yeah. We acknowledge that. And, yep. I'm, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity on our next episode to talk more, you know, about where we are today or where we are, uh, what year is this, 98? 
No, it's a great opportunity. And not, not that this discussion needs to be held in a specific month or anything, no. but it's just kind of that, that we're doing it now that we're doing it right around, around Thanksgiving. Uh, sure. it, yeah. it, it feels, it feels like this is, this is not just, uh, the time when, when our road trip is going to Idaho, but it does feel like the appropriate time to talk about a film like Smoke Signals. Absolutely. Also, Smoke Signals, a great song by the aforementioned Phoebe Bridgers. That's neither here nor there. It has nothing to do with the movie. It's a good song. No, no. But hey, maybe in a reboot, that song would be on the soundtrack. I don't think so. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> heard it. I don't know. It's a great song, but completely irrelevant to uh, anything likely to be in Smoke Signals. Anyway. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> well, Dan, as you are on your way to go uh, fishing for Edo, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Good journey.